0: And thanks again for taking the time to tune in to Upstream, Following Jesus, the podcast put on by Exodus Church in Bloomington. Hi, I'm Mike Richardson. And as always, sitting across the table from me is the creator of this podcast and pastor of Exodus Church in Bloomington, Matt Neusbaum. Matt, welcome back to the microphone. Thanks for doing this podcast for everybody. I appreciate it. Um, today, I saw the notes coming in here. And it said the number one and number two lesson that I learned while attending seminary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, even though I was a pastor of a church for a dozen years, I never had the privilege of going to seminary and have formal training. My, my training came from like uh, mentors that poured into me. Yeah, for Okay. Yeah. And I got to say, probably most people that are sitting around the table listening to this, they haven't gone to seminary either. So in our mind, when we think about what, you learn at seminary, it's going to be the, you know, the hypostatic union yep. of Christ you know, and yeah. all like, okay, big words, big giant words yeah. that, you know, and so I'm thinking, I'm looking at this. These lessons is what you learn because we all think that honestly, People that are in ministry, pastors, Matt, you're perfect. Yeah, you don't have sure. any problems. You don't <laughs> You don't yell at your wife. Your yeah. kids are perfect. Everything is great. And so there's no way that possibly you have the struggles that little old me has yeah. sitting out here in the pew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially in seminary, because everybody walks around holy, we get this image of what seminary should be. Or you know? We have the
1: image about what pastors are like when they're really not that way.
0: And exactly right. Yeah. So, but the testimony here that you're going to be giving or this number one lesson it's really powerful. it's it's um, gonna be probably shocking to some. And so I'm just gonna sit back sure. and then let you go into this because tell us a little bit of story. You know what your age was and okay. what you were in the seminary, what you were doing, how and just and just kind of walk through the the what was going on at that time.
1: Yeah, so I I uh, I did have the opportunity to go to seminary, and I'm I'm grateful um, somebody else actually helped pay for it. I wasn't married then, I was able to do that, and I valued. It. I went to a school called Trinity Evangelical Divinity School up in the Chicago suburbs. It was a really good experience for me, and yeah, I had I had classes that had big words like I. Had had classes like I have one of my transcripts in front of me. One class was ecclesiology and eschatology. One was New (laughs) Testament pneumatology. One was uh, psychology and theology, then I had poetry and post exilic history, hermeneutics. And you have all these big classes, <laughs> and it's a three-year degree, at least where I went to school, it's right. called a Master of Divinity, which I guess it means I know things about God that other people don't, which is not always true. <laughs> but I had a lot of classes, uh, Had a, have a lot of books at home from those classes, mm-hmm. uh, kind of heavy books, heavy, not even weight-wise, but also heavy just intellectually. So when I think about my three years in seminary, there are two primary things I'd learned most about God. In this podcast, I'm going to cover one of them. The second is going to be, next podcast will be a second one. But uh, let me just tell you the background of this particular uh, lesson I learned. But here's the lesson. Here's lesson number one I learned about Jesus in seminary. And that's this, Jesus is never finished with me. And you'll notice, Mike, I didn't use any big words. No, no not at all. But lesson number one that I learned in my three years of seminary, thousands of dollars of expenses. <laughs> number one, Jesus never finished with me, and here's where that lesson came from. It had nothing to do with the class, nothing to do with the classroom, nothing to do with the no, big fat. I didn't pay books. for this lesson. I didn't pay for this lesson. So here's here's okay. what was going on. So I was in my second year of seminary, three year program, and uh, long story short, I had an uh, addiction issue with pornography going on. Okay. Um, just I won't get into how that happened, but during that time, and it was a dark time for me. You can imagine here I'm studying to be a pastor, but yet I couldn't shake this habit mm-hmm. that I know was just dark for me. I, I was absolutely convinced God was disgusted with me. I was absolutely convinced that Satan was just having a whale of a good time about me. And so uh, this would have been in February of 1989. So there was a Friday night. It would have been uh, February 10th. 1989, and uh, I just felt really low that night, discouraged, depressed, like what am I doing here? I can't be a pastor, not with this going on in my life. And then the next morning, which was Saturday morning, I went to my mailbox at the seminary student center, to um, check my mail, and there was a there was a note in there. And just, again, keep in mind, my demeanor going that morning was, I was about as low as I could be spiritually.
0: Low enough that you were thinking about maybe dropping out of yeah, class. Yeah, or
1: low enough just loathing myself with self-condemning yeah. thoughts. And yes. I think most people listening know what I'm talking about. Of course. Just, I, And so I go to my mailbox and there's a note in there, and I, I it was not signed. It was, it was signed anonymous. And I so wow. I start reading the note. I have it in my hand. I have the note in my hand. That's the actual note. actual, right actual note from 1989. And this was apparently it was a student I had in a class. I was teaching a class at the college next to the seminary. And uh, this apparently student, you know, the first, first page is like, you know, thanks for being a good professor. Or blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't doing a whole lot for me. It feels good to be thanked. But then they wrote this. And I'll just read straight from the note they wrote. Um After some things of encouragement, they said, However, I know that desiring to serve Christ takes much energy and that Satan must not want you to be so zealous. Please be encouraged by the fact that Christ is working in your life and it is noticeable. And they write on this, I don't really know why I was to write this note. Perhaps to encourage you to remain steadfast and to be obedient. However, here's a scripture for you that, that I know maybe, that I, that, so you can know your labor is not in vain. And then they included this scripture in the note. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 6. Wow. And if you would have been where I was standing at the seminary mail room on February 11th, 1989, I I had to go to the corner and just kind of be quiet because I just like, God, how did you know that I needed this today? Well, I'm about to weep here just hearing this. I usually cry when I tell, read the Wow. I mean, this is, it's really powerful. And so it was, it was one of those situations where I thought, again, I had been kind of in this cloud of, I'll just call it, self condemnation, and of sure that God was just disgusted with me. Of course, right? Um, I was getting A's in my classes, but I was sure that God was disgusted with me. You know, but I get this note, and I just—it was just this realization of God, you haven't forgotten me, God, you haven't left me, and God, you're not done with me yet. You, Mm. I'm not. You're not going to. I may think I should be thrown on the trash heap, but you're not throwing me there. Wow. So I still to this day don't still to this day don't know who wrote this note. Uh, I think when we get to heaven, I want to find out. I'll try yeah. to match some handwriting with somebody. And uh, but it was it was the kind of thing uh, was more profound than anything I learned in any class at seminary. And that's not to demean the professors; they were the great professors I had there and great classes. But I needed to I needed to not just learn the lesson that Jesus is not done with me. I, I needed to experience it, and it was just a powerful thing for me.
0: I mean, what was because I mean, I'm thinking, what was going through your mind? Here you are trying to become a pastor, and you're addicted. Yeah. To not a substance, not uh, you know
1: you. That addic- would always be easier to talk about. If wouldn't it wouldn't substance.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm just yeah. real hesitant to kind of yeah. because this is kind of a touchy thing, and it's embarrassing at times. But you know what? A lot, 70, of a lot of shame. Lot of shame. Seventy-eight percent of the males that are listening get it yeah okay
1: and this was for online world this was paper this is just porn. paper in so a it was paper accessible bag. but not near as accessible not, as it is right, today
0: right and you, you got to be thinking I, i'm i'm the worst thing i'm I, to talk about a total hypocrite here i am trying to become a pastor and here I am engaged in this sin, and I can't get out of it. Well, and How am that, I going to preach the deliverance from your sin when yeah. I can't get out myself? And at that
1: time, I was actually leading, leading a discipleship group of some young college men, you know, discipling them, helping to follow Jesus. But I never brought this up because I thought, I can't talk about this with them. I can't challenge them about this because I don't have any victory.
0: Right, right. Did you have anybody that you think that you could have talked to about that in retrospect? Wish you would have, could have, should have,
1: maybe. Uh, always, yes. I probably feel I could have, would have, should have. Yeah, yeah. But again, always. like you've like you've said, there's so much shame around the issue, right? And if heightened by the fact that I'm a seminarian, <laughs> uh, I'm right. training to be a pastor, and so who am I going to tell this? Not in my mind, at least, that I think is not going to just kind of exude disgust to me because I, I i didn't know how people would respond right so.
0: okay so now going forward this lesson that you learned you got the note and and we'll talk about a secondary lesson that came to me when i'm hearing you read that but primarily you had to go look up that one, philippians 1 6 and delve into that more surely you did well,
1: just the, just the just the fact that when they wrote this and i and this verse is like um, in fact, if people always talk about a life verse. It's become a life verse for me because of this situation. Yeah, I bet. But just that, that what he, whatever God began in us, he will carry it on to completion. He's going to finish it in us. No matter what we think we've done, no matter how we think we've messed things up. Um, one of the things I say from people out of this is there is nothing you can do that can make Jesus stop loving you. Nothing. We tend to think there's, oh, it's like, well, I'm, I've talked to Bill, oh, if you knew what I, I, one person actually said to me, if you knew what kind of life I live, you wouldn't even invite me to your church because I'm afraid the walls would cave in on you. And <laughs> yeah. I want to say to that person, and I did say to that person, there's nothing you do that make can make Jesus love you any but, less.
0: But at the time, Matt, when you say that to someone who has to look in the mirror every day Absolutely. and they see that, and I guarantee you if someone would have told you that five minutes you know, post an episode that, you know, Yeah, you yeah, had, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't have believed it either. It was because of this note in a mailbox privately that no one face to face is talking to you. It was more powerful.
1: Well, and and I'll say this, too. Just the sub lesson of this is living the Christian life is not a solo sport. There was a person who was involved and encouraging me (laughs) that listened to the Holy Spirit that said something to me that I needed to hear. So if nothing else, for anybody who's struggling with any kind of addictions or just issues, you need people. I needed people in my life I didn't have. And then God puts an anonymous person in my life. But people are how we, we... we become holy together. When, when God said it's not good for Adam to be alone, it wasn't primarily he that he needed a marital partner. It's just it's not good for anybody to be alone. be alone. Yes, And I was living my life in that part alone. And God, because I wouldn't talk to anybody, I didn't know who to talk to, God sent an anonymous person to speak into my life. And that was the point that I
0: was going to make up. But boy, what a powerful lesson for those that are sitting back and think, boy, I just can't do anything. And I don't have any way to encourage somebody. Man, get a pen and paper and write an anonymous. Anonymous letter to someone. It changed your life, well, man. Especially,
1: especially if you're prompted. And by that I mean if you have this nudging that maybe God's telling you to do something. I mean, just when they when I read in this note, um, I don't know really why I was to write this. But they knew they were supposed to write it, they just didn't know why. Well, I I would love to I would love to tell them now. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to tell them now why they wrote it. Because wow, I, I would not be, I know I wouldn't be Pastor Matt Nussbaum uh, today apart from, from this note. Um, or I might be a Pastor Matt Nussbaum that's just a mess. And I'm kind of a mess anyway. <laughs> but, anyway <Yeah. laughs> but what I'm saying but, uh, is I needed to experience Jesus in a, in a way that I had not experienced him. And this person's anonymous note to me was the tool that Jesus used to remind me that I'm not done with you and, and as, as deep as I felt in self-condemnation, the message of Jesus is I'm, I'm, I will go deeper than that to find you. Wow. So it was, it was a sense of that Jesus will go anywhere to find us. So, the, you know, the prodigal son, whatever story in the Bible you want to use, but that Jesus has never done with any of us and there's nothing that any of us have done that can make us unlovable to God Of course, sin is offensive to God, but doesn't make us unlovable. Right. He will go into whatever pit he needs to go to, to rescue us. And this person in obedience to the spirit of God was a tool of Jesus to rescue me.
0: You know, the lesson I'm pulling away from this, I've challenged in my own heart, is not the fact that nothing I can do that would cause Jesus to stop loving me. It's, man... It's the fact that someone stepped in, or like what you said well, while ago. If someone hadn't written that note, you might not have been. Pastor Matt, I might have dropped
1: out of seminary,
0: man. I think you might have. Yeah, yeah, I think the yeah. weight of that condemnation, the self-loathing, it would be enough to make you. I'm not going to do this. I can't do this or for at the rest least of my the life. weight
1: of self condemnation. Often takes you deeper, into deeper sin, into your yes, because it drives you deeper. And I'm boy, the
0: lesson for me is, man, you don't know. You might be the hinge pin in somebody's life. That sounds a little bit melodramatic, but it's the truth. You're a living example right here.
1: Yeah. It. You might be, and there's not pressure on anybody to say something you don't feel prompted to say, but you never know how to a note of how, when you feel prompted to encourage somebody or even ask somebody a question about what's going on in their life, Um, you don't know The repercussions that god has for what you speak into somebody's life so we need each other we need relationships and again in my situation in life then i kind of had a closed emotional life but god used this as one of the ways to start opening me up to the fact that i need yes i need jesus to know that i need to know that he doesn't leave me or forsake me but i also need people i need people
0: that's amazing that is awesome so if you can just sum this up because if someone's listening and they have similar situations similar circumstances and they they really don't believe that there's nothing that they could do to make god stop loving cuz we're merit based man yeah, I, we totally just are man. god's not but we are yeah. I mean, what do you what do you say to them right now to make them believe that this is just i mean what you're it's it's just true i mean god
1: God loves them. Well, and again, we've called this podcast Upstream because Jesus was so against the flow, and one of my favorite stories of Jesus was when he was uh at a banquet at somebody's house and it wasn't like a fancy religious banquet. It was with Matthew, who's a tax collector and they were low scum according to the Jewish people and prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> so here Jesus okay. was at this banquet, this party With the lowest of the low, you talk about self condemnation. I'm guessing a lot of the tax collectors who were good, who were Jews but worked for the Romans, they probably were so self loathing and they got enough from other people outside of them that they didn't feel at all acceptable to God. And then, of course, the prostitutes, why would they feel acceptable to God? But yet, Jesus befriends them, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say it's okay what you're doing, but he befriends them and his friendship is so powerful. We have to imagine some of those lives were changing. We also have to imagine he didn't, he did not go around the table at those banquets Pointing out to people, shaming people and and, and, right. and beating them up because they knew they knew they were low and lost, just like I knew I was low and lost. I didn't need somebody to throw the Bible at me and tell me, well, you know, that's a <laughs> sin, don't you? Oh, duh. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, of course. But <laughs> right. And so we and, and people often think, you know, I I'll get to church when I get my act cleaned up, but then you'll never come. And right. and. Right. We've got to get over this silly notion that the the church is some kind of a health club for people that are super in shape. It's a hospital for those of us who are broken, and and you need to find somebody to talk to. You need to be able to. But we need we need those kind of relationships because. That's how Jesus made us, and Jesus will find you, uh, and he may even find you like he found me through an an anonymous person who wrote an anonymous note, incredibly timed by the Spirit of God. Right, right. The timing is incredible. Um, So God knows what he's doing. God loves us. Uh, He's not finished with anybody, and there's nothing anybody can do that's going to separate you from the love of Christ. Paul even says that. Nothing we do separates us from the love of Christ.
0: Well, takeaway from me on this is that you can't run too far from God. He loves you where you are. He's going to continue that work. I mean, even though sometimes we think there are little times in our life, Matt, where we don't see God working. We don't. No. But he's going to continue on with that. And then the real challenge to some of us that maybe you are a little older in the faith and maybe not have quite that same struggle as young people would yeah. do man what an encouragement we can be if we will just listen to the holy spirit and be obedient
1: yes yes and if somebody does share we don't respond with condemnation we exactly respond with the mercy of jesus in the exactly world. wow this has
0: been a moving podcast matt thank you for opening up and sharing about this stay tuned for more to come uh, you've been listening to upstream following jesus the podcast put on by exodus church in bloomington Whew. Man, this was great. There's going to be more later on, so stay tuned. We'll see you next time.